Better or better? What do you want to be? Well, we all know the right answer. I want to be better. Yeah, cool. But the problem is, as the Bible says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end results in death or destruction. And if what we do is we get... See, we're at a point in time where we've become so activated, we don't need God to tell us how to do stuff anymore. We use our criticism and call it discernment, or we use our pre-tainted filters or prejudice, or the opposite of prejudice is bias, where we overlook. See, there's a statement that I use. Those who you love can do no wrong, and those who you hate can do no right. And the second that's got into you, which it's in most people, you actually have a problem being a healthy judge. You, because you have all these preconceived ideas. So the, the second something starts, you start hearing something, you see something on the news, you start filtering something, you automatically are leaning towards, well, this is how I feel. But a judge can never do anything on feelings. Now, the actual reality is, is the problem for all of us is that we lack the big picture. All of us, myself included. So, as sons and daughters of God, instead of being quick to speak and say, well, da-da-da-da-da, and I say, da 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 and I'm with this, and let's do this, or let's give them a hall pass, it's okay, let's look the other way. we got to go to God, and we actually have to do one of the hardest things that you could possibly do as a human being, is have self-control. You have to actually take captive your emotions... And put them in check, because the second you're emotionally engaged, another word is called being emotive or emotionally driven, the second you're emotionally engaged on anything, particularly areas, like there's certain areas where it's particularly heightened. For instance, if you're single, about getting a spouse. Once you made up that person's cute, it's over. God, can I have them? Can I have them? Can I have them? Which is the wrong question. It's the wrong question. You don't say, God, can I have that? Because actually God's going to let you have it if you want it that bad. Doesn't mean he gave it to you. Are you with me? What we have to try and do, and this is so hard, and I'm not trying to make this sound easy. I'm really not. I acknowledge that what I'm about to tell you. See, love, loving difficult people, that's a crucifixion experience. Really, like it sounds funny and it sounds comedic. Like for me, it's just pain talking about it. Loving difficult people actually is getting on a cross with Jesus because it kills your rights to be right and it just causes you to keep being gracious and loving and long-suffering and all the things that we hate to do, but the Bible says that's the nature of God, right? But, but for, in order for us to do that, We've actually got to back up. So I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to divert what I'm saying there. In order for us to be healthy on this type of thing, when we're walking through seasons where our emotions, anger, uh, uh, desires for wanting something, this, this is very broad ranging. This is a much needed topic when you talk about it. For any time that our anything like that gets engaged, we have to take a breath. 
and step back and try and put a distance or a separation from that thing, that topic, that idea, wanting to marry that person, that job, whatever that is. (sighs) Father, what is it that you're saying in this? How do you see this? Because I know how I see this, and I messed a lot of stuff up in my life, so I'm coming to ask you. See, the problem is, is we go to other people before we go to God. Because we've been taught that our opinion's so powerful. I call it the Yelp review syndrome. You get people on Yelp, they, they are just like, they are a global leader. Telling you that their latte wasn't hot enough. Right? We have become so opinionated. The Bible tells us that people would speak evil of dignitaries, but we're not paying attention to that as a church. We need to be careful. Even the thing with the police, what's happening with the police? Yeah, man, there's some bad police. There's a lot of good police. But Jesus himself said, don't mess with them. They don't carry the sword in vain. Hello? Remembering that one of Jesus' own guys was the son of the devil. Are you guys with me? There is a bad apple in every bunch. Oh, it's gone real quiet in here. (laughs) See, the problem is, it's like, well, that guy's a bad guy. Everyone's a bad guy. Okay, Jesus, what are you saying? Because Jesus literally said, I only do the things my father does. I see my father doing, and I only say the things he says. He doesn't say, I'm giving you my opinion here, guys. There's not one scripture we, well, hey guys, I normally go to the Father on this stuff, but I'm going to do you a solid, and here's my opinion. He said, I only, that's a singular, very narrowed in statement. It's a very restrictive statement. I only do the things I see him doing, and I only say the things I hear him saying. So we have to get away from just being wild opinion givers. And wild emotional engages for some things that are very good and well needed. And maybe God does want you to work on certain areas. But maybe you need to listen to how he wants you to go to work on that area. Are you with me? Because distraction is the number one weapon that the devil will will form against you. And he will get you to do it in the name of justice, righteousness, scriptures. He did it to Jesus. Are you with me? Now, I'm not saying at all we disengage from any kind of righteousness or justice. What I am saying is how we do those things matters. (sighs) Why am I talking about this stuff so much? Well, because right now, in my 40-something years of living, is some of the loudest distraction voices that are pulling on the whole world. The whole world. And I'm not talking about any particular thing. I'm not talking about COVID. I'm not talking about Black Lives Matters. I'm not talking about any of the riot stuff. None of that stuff is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the spirit behind it. Because there is an agenda happening right now. And I'm not being a conspiracy theorist. I'm talking about spiritual matters. Okay. So how do we walk through seasons where we walk as representatives of the kingdom, 
and not come out the other side. Because here's the problem, guys. Bad stuff happens. Bad stuff happens, but the kingdom and the gospel must be preached. Okay, I'm gonna, let's look at a couple of things here real quick. I'm going to try and very quickly, in like five, ten minutes, walk through Joseph's life. So if you want to come with me, please, to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. I'm going I'm to skim through this. We don't have as much time as I thought we did earlier today. And I'm going to try and be real respectful of that. So uh, I'm going to start reading uh, Genesis 37, verse 1. Now, Jacob who was the son of Abraham, right? Son of, son of Isaac, sorry. Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. And then it goes on immediately to say, Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock of his brothers. And it goes down to talk about, I've, I've, I'm going to have to summarize this, it goes down to talk about how he was his father's favorite son. Now, from a parental point of view, that is a really messed up statement. I've got three kids. The other two, eh, this one's awesome. <laughs> it's pretty messed up. But they didn't have the progressed society that holds people to accountability that we do now. Yeah. These guys didn't even have the law of Moses. I want you to get that. They had, well, God appeared to my grandpa... And grandma got pregnant when she was old. That's what they had. (laughs) And then dad, he kind of ticked off a lot of people. And he had to run away from his brother because he stole the birthright. And we're like kind of okay now as a family, but dad kind of did some bad stuff. And then God sent this angel down, but I think it might, the angel might have been God. And he wrestled with him almost to daybreak. And then God... This angel touched my dad's hip, and now dad has a gangster limp. That's what they had. They didn't have the book. They had stories and encounters. I want us to get the reason I'm saying that, not to try and be comical, although it is pretty comical, so that we understand the context of how Joseph's relationship with God picks up. Because when you start hearing his journey, someone that didn't have Proverbs to reflect on, someone that didn't have Hebrews and Romans to look at when you were having a rough day, come on somebody, someone that didn't have awesome prophecies from the last prophetic session to give you something to look forward to, he just had some of grandpa's stories. And I want you to watch the way he walked his life out, and if someone that didn't have Jesus came and died for me so we could all go to heaven story in his life can walk out with this kind of dignity, we can too. Because we got a whole bunch more than what he had. And like, so I don't have time to go through all of it, but I would encourage you this week to go back and read these next few chapters and start to get a process of what he walked through. So he was the favorite son, but it wasn't just enough for dad to say, hey, you're the favorite son. He had to say, hey, brothers, that's my favorite son. You guys are okay, but Joseph, he's my boy. But it wasn't enough just to do that. 
he had to go down to the local seamstress and get some like goat and sheep stu- uh, fur fluff uh, wool and, and make this multicolored coat just so that all their brothers really knew it wasn't just enough to say it. He had to put the robe on him and say, hey, this is actually my favorite son for reals. And so Joseph already had this kind of like, yeah, who's doing the dishes tonight, guys? Because you know it ain't me. (laughs) He had this entitlement thing going on where he was young and cocky. You guys understand when I say that? He was arrogant. He, He knew that he was the good kid. He knew that he had his daddy's eyes and that caused him to get a discount down at the local naan bread store. Okay, he was working the favor in a negative way. But the kid had the hand of God on his life. And this kid started having dream encounters with God. And God came to Joseph in a couple of dreams. And in the dreams, he, he said, look, well, God kind of showed him symbolically. He saw like, you know, these wheat bales and there was all these different wheat bales. And they started bowing down to his wheat bale. And he's like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, ten, eleven. And then mum and dad. And that's me. And they're bowing down. Oh, I'm going to be awesome. This coat is just the beginning. Right? And so, you know, he was a humble prophet. And so he had another dream. And this time it was about the moon and the stars. And they were all doing the same thing. It's like, it's confirmation. They're going to bow. Right? He was a real humble prophet, so what he said was, hey guys, I've got a story for you. God's been speaking to me. You guys are going to be my servants. Hey, that's a real big mistake. Is this okay? Yeah. And so he just uses all his prophetic discretion and just, bleh, just, just tells everyone how awesome he is and how humble they're going to be. And so, you know, that's just wisdom 101. You know, so, so he, 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 you know, walks around and he's now got the coat and the dreams and now he's told them the dreams. So they're going to, they're figuring out and dad still loves him. Dad still thinks he's awesome. Dad scratched his head a little bit. He's like, how's that going to work? That's kind of weird. Right? And over time, the brothers start to seethe with bitterness because they feel jilted. They feel not only is dad actually saying this, but God's not really for us either. God thinks we're less because God's telling him dreams. And the bitterness turned into hatred and the hatred became murderous. So much so that one day they were all out taking care of sheep and there was Joseph rolling up on them. Hey, uh, bring in some lunch. You guys make sure you do, hey, get back to work. Right, he's got that kind of the boss's kid kind of thing going on. And he, and he shows up and the brothers are like, dude, we've had enough. This has been going on for years. This is ridiculous. So, 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 so they, they get him and they throw him in this pit. And they kind of rough him up a little bit because it's like, for all those stories you told, and she, right, they, they whooped on it. And it wasn't just like, let's give the brother a little noogie, you know? Is that what you guys call it here? That's what I called it growing up. Is that what you guys call it? Yeah. So let's not just rough him up a little bit. Let's really whoop on him. And we'll leave him in the pit to die. And we'll just tell dad that, hey, this, this like giant leprechaun lion jumped out from behind the thing and just grabbed him. And like, he died. I'm sorry, dad. And like they grabbed his robe and they killed an animal, probably had a little snack for lunch. 
and they put blood all over the robe to make the story look legitimate. I mean, it's perfect media. Anyways, um, <laughs> and so coming to you live from the Middle East. So, um, <laughs> so, so <sighs> I need to get a hold of myself. So they go back to dad, but before they go back to dad, there's this caravan of camels and a couple of dudes rolling up on everybody. You guys ever seen that movie Gladiator? You remember when they get a hold of him and they, they sell him and he ends up, he, like they get him and he's, he's been badly wounded and he, he wakes up and he's in a cage and there's all of the, there's, there's basically the gladiator master and he's got all of his slaves. You guys see that? That's what happened to Joseph. He was purchased. The brothers sold him. They didn't just, it wasn't just enough to kill him. They wanted to sell him. So now we have slavery 101 happening. Okay. And so can you imagine, he's whooped on, oh, no, we're going to pull you out. No, just kidding, we're throwing you to this dude here. He said, bye, bye, Joseph. You'll never tell us a story again. You guys get this? This wasn't just like clean cut. It was bad. And Joseph's watching them get his brothers getting smaller and smaller and smaller, and he's now got no hope. And so he ends up in, in Egypt as we know, and he was a smart man. He had the hand of God on him. And what happened was, real fast-track story here, the favor of God was so much on his life that he actually gets picked by the general of the army of Egypt, this guy called Potiphar. Okay, And Potiphar looked at him and he said, this dude's smart, he's good-looking, he's able to manage, he clearly has leadership. Okay, And he's like, you have to understand, a general doesn't pick just anyone. A general knows how to pick people because their whole job is profiling, figuring out, is this person a leader, a follower? Are they aggressive? Are they a secret coward? Are they gonna, you get what I'm saying? So he picks this guy, and he picks the best of the best, puts him in the house, and as he starts doing well, Potiphar's like, this guy's not just good. This guy's the best I've ever seen. And he's like, I'm going to have you rule over the whole house, all the other servants. You are now the general manager. He became the GM of Potiphar's house. Okay, and so, so, except Potiphar's wife took a little twinkling to him. And Potiphar's wife, yeah, that's a very depraved, Egypt was incredibly a depraved, morally depraved society. So sexual perversion was at a premium. So she looks at him and she's like, okay, cool, check out the new equipment that just showed up. And so she starts making a beeline to seduce him. And over time, she probably just started wearing on him and trying to, trying to seduce him and get his attention. And because, now remember, he doesn't have thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. He has a relationship with God. When you really start to understand that the rules are not as powerful as the relationship, everything in your world will change. He didn't have the Ten Commandments. He didn't have the books. He'd had encounters. And so, so he, he, he's there. She rolls up on him, and she's probably not rolling up on him much. And she grabs his robe. Isn't it interesting that his robe is now under attack again? Interesting, huh? She grabs his robe to seduce him, but he knows better. He, he's like, how could I do that to God? He doesn't say, how can I do it to Potiphar? He says, how could I do that to my God? And he runs out of the room. 
Now, Potiphar's wife's ashamed and embarrassed and humiliated. She's like, he tried to rape me. Pretty unfair, yeah? At this point, his story's up there in, in victim mentalities, if you want to have a victim mentality. He could potentially profile himself as the ultimate victim. God had all this awesome stuff for me, but my brother sabotaged it. I got taken away. Now I'm like in the house. I finally made something of myself, and now I'm back at the bottom of the heap. But he's not just at the bottom of the heap anymore. He's now getting taken to prison. Now Potiphar knew that it wasn't Potiphar knew that it wasn't true. Otherwise, a general of an army would have killed him. For real. Husband's wrath, 101. Okay, that's real. So he ends up in prison because he's like, well, she'd be lying, but I got to look good. So he puts him in prison. Okay, we're out. He, he, puts, he puts Joseph in prison, and now Joseph, and in prison, guys, there wasn't Air Force Ones and nice little yellow jump, orange jumpsuits and three squares a day. Prisons and dungeons back then, you didn't actually want to go there. That was not a good option in life. It wasn't like a good idea, okay? So he's there, and he's not there for, you know, two years with good behavior. He's there for 14 years. He's giving up all the best years of his life. All of his youth is getting sucked up because his brothers hated him, right? And then there's two guys in there that are, also come from relative royalty positions. There's the, the, the pharaoh who was the king, the emperor, the cupbearer, and the baker. They're in the prison as well. One night they both have dreams. You can follow through. There's multiple chapters here. They both have dreams. The, 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 he interprets the dream of, of the cupbearer, and he's like, you're going to be out of here in three days. You're going to be reinstated back to your position. And then the baker's like, oh, this is going good. Here's my, here's my dream. And he tells uh, Joseph his dream, and Joseph's like, well, sorry, but the birds of the air are going to come and eat all the bread. And that, what that means is you're going to die in three days. The king's going to hang you. That's not a good prophecy. Okay? And so that comes true. And he says to both of them, please remember me when you get here, because I've got some talent here. He's still got some game. Joseph, he's like, I've got some skills. I could be of use. Please remember me when you get out of here. Right? And so we all know the baker didn't have anything to say because real quickly, he was out of action. And, and the cupbearer, he goes back, but he forgets Joseph for a season because he's so excited about being free. Until one day, Pharaoh has a very disturbing dream. And he brings all his magicians and witches and soothsayers in, and he starts telling this dream to them. You guys remember the dream? There's a dream about the seven fat cows and the seven skinny cows. He had several dreams. And one... In one moment, the cupbearer's lights go on, bing, and he's like, oh, actually, Pharaoh, there was this guy in prison. Hopefully, he's still alive, right? But we need to get him because he actually interpreted my dreams accurately. Joseph's cleaned up. He's brought before the Pharaoh, and he starts to interpret to Pharaoh. This is 14 years in a hole, and he starts to tell Pharaoh exactly what the dream means. Probably the presence of God swept that courtroom. And Pharaoh's like, wow. And he sees now the same thing that Potiphar saw, and he instates Joseph, not just to manager of the house, but to second in command of Egypt. The largest nation, it was, it was the greatest empire on the planet in its time. Like, it was like the Roman army, but earlier. 
It was massive. It was powerful. It had all kinds of resources, biggest army, everything. So Joseph now was in charge of building these massive seed and, and grain silos. They think they've found these things. These things are like nuclear silos, huge things. They go under the ground, massive. So they started filling all these things. And in the course of time, let's, let's back open up our Bibles. I'm really trying to, you know, this is a preacher's sprint right here. This ain't no marathon. I'm really trying to get this thing out to you guys where we're not, we're not skipping stuff. Okay. So verse 42 there is now a famine in not just Egypt, but in all of the land. There's a famine now, and it's well instated. And it's so much instated that, that Israel, or Jacob, says to his guys, his sons, hey, I need you guys to go out and start scouting for food. We're in serious trouble here. We're drying up. We've got nothing. So where do they go? They go to Egypt. They go to Egypt. So let's, let's, let's roll out here. Genesis 42 verse 1, when Jacob saw that there there was grain in Egypt, Jacob said to his sons, why do you look at one another? What are you guys doing? And he said, indeed, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down to the place and buy for us there that we may live and not die. So Joseph's 10 brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt, but, but Jacob did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin. He was the youngest. Um, for he said, lest some calamity fall upon him. Because see, Benjamin was Jacob's backup favorite. You laugh, but that's, that's, that's a fact. Yeah, Jacob, <laughs> Jacob had some equality issues, okay? <laughs> um, okay, verse 5. And the sons of Israel, or Jacob went to buy grain among those who journeyed, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. Now Joseph was the governor over the land, and it was he who sold, all the peop- uh, sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down. It's not my point, just God never lies. doesn't matter what you have to walk through, God is not a liar. It might look like everything's fallen apart and nothing is like what God said, but in a minute, God's not a liar. You just got to hold on. Come on. Okay. And bowed down before him and their faces to the earth. So that's total humility. They came begging. They didn't came asking. They came begging. Okay. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them. Now, When you're in a cage getting dragged away from your homeland to be sold as a slave and you're watching the ones that actually, they're killing an animal now and drizzling the blood of that animal all over your robe and you know that your father's going to be told that you're dead. And when you watch that go and then you get into a house and you, you raise up in that house and it's not your homeland but now you're a slave in a foreign land but then it gets worse than that and now you're a captain the prisoner slave in a foreign land whose father thinks you're dead, you have two choices. To work with God at that level or to be full of hate and bitterness at a justice level. I want you to get that because I know every person here has had levels of injustice in their life. Different ways, different stories, but every person, you're not unique. Every one of us deals with stuff. And the thing for Joseph is, is that Joseph, if he had have gone 
through those years, using the hate of injustice to fuel him forward, when he had opportunity, he would have murdered his brothers. Fact. That's a fact. So that means that his relationship with God healed his soul. And I love this story. So let's keep reading. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he acted as a stranger to them because he was being major savage at this point, massive savage. He acted as if he didn't know who they were, and he spoke roughly to them. That was probably a little bit of emotion. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be angry. The the Bible just says, in your anger, do not sin, though. So you can have anger, but you've got to work that anger out with you and Jesus. Because if you don't, that anger becomes bitterness, becomes hatred, becomes murder. Fact. Human psychology 101. So he spoke roughly to them, and then he said, where did you come from? And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. So Joseph recognized his brothers again, but they did not recognize him. Then Joseph, because jo- the re- look, hear what I'm about to say right now. Joseph recognized them because they hadn't changed. They couldn't recognize him because he had changed. Come on, somebody. You either become bitter or you become better. So Joseph's brothers, so Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. Then Joseph remembered the dreams which they which he had dreamed about them. He he wasn't going through his hard injustice saying, I'll show them, I'll get them back. See that? We've got to get that nature in us. Doesn't matter what you've walked through, whether it's a, a boyfriend, girlfriend that treated you badly, a mum or a dad that was either not there or abusive, uh, uh, a particular way you've been treated in society, someone that ripped you off financially. If you walk through that process with a revenge, vengeance, you will come out bitter and bad things will happen. But we've got to let God take us to that higher plane. Okay. So Joseph isn't even remembering, one day I'm going to make them bow down. One day, see, and in this moment, he remembered, oh, that's right. Remember that dream I had way back when? You see, I I just want you to see that. Little statements like that are not there by accident. They're there on purpose so we can connect the dots. Walk through a process with God so much so that that fuel of hatred and vengeance and, 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 and victim mentality was nowhere to be found in his soul. And then Joseph remembered the dreams that he had dreamed about them and said to them, you were spies. I mean, he was, this, this, he was very clever. He was very smart in the way he navigated conversations. You have come to see the nakedness of the land. They said, no, my Lord, but your servants have come to buy food. We are all one man's sons. We are honest men. I mean, that's a lie for sure. <laughs> Dad still thinks you're dead. We're really honest. Okay. <laughs> Your, your servants are not spies. But he said to them, no, but you have come to see the nakedness of the land. And they said, no, your servants are 12 brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And in fact, the youngest of our, uh, is with our father today, and the other one is no more. Because the, to them, he died. But Joseph said to them, it is as I spoke, you were spies. In this manner, you shall be tested by the life of Pharaoh, which is the ultimate buttering chip, like, He's literally saying, by the life of Pharaoh. You can't play against that card. Okay. 
Uh, you shall not leave this place until your youngest brother comes here. Send one of you and let him pick your brother up and you shall be kept in prison that your words may be tested to see whether there is any truth in you or else the life of Pharaoh, by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. So he put them together in prison the days. And this, okay, let's, let's, let's read down. We're going to knock this out. Then Joseph said to, said to them the third day, do this and live for I fear God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers be confined to your prison house and, uh, but you go and carry grain uh, for famine, sorry, for the famine to your ho- of your houses, and bring your youngest brother to me, so that your words will be verified, and you shall not die. And they did this. Then they said to one another, "We are truly guilty concerning our brother." See, now they're starting to realize we've done wrong. God's judging us for sure right now. Okay, for we saw the anguish of his soul, and when when he pleaded with us, and we would not hear. See. This part here is telling you how what they what they had to live with what they did to him. We saw the anguish of his soul when he begged us, when he pleaded for his life, and then he pleaded to not sell us. And they're realizing it's catching up on us. Seed time and harvest is happening right now. You have to understand. The Bible says this: "Vengeance is mine," says the Lord. When we want vengeance. We literally pause God, and God's justice cannot be played. When you try and have revenge, you get in the way, and God can't actually do it. See, vengeance can only be held by one person, not two. You either get out the way and let God have vengeance, or you take it. And I guarantee you, your version sucks. Fact. Sounds a little crass, but it's fact. I've watched interviews with murderers that murdered out of revenge. And one of the main questions they were asked, did you feel satisfied? And they said, we felt adrenaline for about 30 seconds, and then we felt the same hatred, but we couldn't do anything about it because they were now dead. (sighs) I rest my case. Okay, come on, let's keep reading. I'm almost done. I know I've gone way over, but this is important right now that we get adjusted in our spirits so that we walk through this season well. Amen. And Rupert answered uh, them saying, did I not speak to you saying, do not sin against the boy and you wouldn't, wouldn't, and, and would you listen? Sorry, you would not listen. Therefore, behold, his blood is now required of us. But they did not know that Joseph understood them. He was sitting there pretending like he couldn't speak their language. I mean, Joseph for real was major savage and rightly so. Um, because he spoke to them with an interpreter. And he turned away from them and wept. That is the right response. One last scripture I'm going to read you. I, I got through this whole story to read that one verse. Joseph's watching them. He's hearing them. He has his own perpetrators right in front of him. The ones that have caused his life to be a living hell, to be separated from his family. He has the men in front of him that called him family, that did the most wicked things to him, that literally took money for his life, and he's in front of them holding himself together when one word could have had them all killed. You've got to understand that he's the second most powerful man. No one would have held it against him. And he turns, and he gets out of their sight, and he weeps the pain out. 
And here's why. This is my closing, this is my closing verse. You've got to get this. It's in the book of James, chapter 2, verse 13. Because judgment is without mercy, sorry, judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. So that includes the victim. If a victim turns around and shows no mercy, it has just, that person has just purchased for themselves a harvest of no mercy. We have to, no matter what area of our life we're dealing with, we have to make sure that we get the bitterness out of our soul and that we can walk in mercy and not judgment. Watch this, because this, this is the most beautiful part, the second part of this verse. And then I'm going to close. Sorry, James chapter 2, verse 13. So because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful, mercy triumphs. Mercy dominates. Mercy overcomes judgment. Mercy is better than judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. See, I, I was listening to Troy Marshall the other day. He's been doing some really, a really great series recently on some of the racial stuff that's been going on. And they made a statement about two different types of justice. There's the justice that cries out for revenge and, um, uh, and then the justice that cries out for mercy. And whatever it is in our life that we're dealing with right now, you have to understand that the spirit of the world that's raging right now, it wants blood. And emotionally, I understand that. Emotionally, I do. But I cannot represent that. You cannot represent that. We have to represent another kingdom. I was in Northern Ireland. I'm going to close with this. I promise. I promise I'm going to close with this. I was in Northern Ireland in November. And they talked to me about how decades, more than 100 years, I talked about this last week, of Catholics killing Christians and then Christians killing Catholics. And then you, then the next, and you can go to the Middle East and see the exact same thing. You go to Israel, Israel and Palestine. Everyone thinks they know how that dynamic works and they'll jump on a bandwagon saying, this isn't right, that's not right. Nobody knows, but it started with this. One person killed someone and that person didn't forgive and they killed someone else and then that person didn't forgive. And now we have a war of hatred perpetuating. Now, whether this was a boyfriend-girlfriend thing, whether you've experienced uh, abuse in family or relationships or at work or, or racially or whatever that looks like, we have an obligation to not respond with our emotions. It's okay to be grieved. It's okay to cry. But if we let hatred be our communicator, we have become those that represent the devil. Sad, tragic, difficult truth, but fact. And we need to look like Jesus. And I see that, see, Peter didn't understand this. I was going to get online and do a Facebook Live about this a while back. Peter didn't understand this. The soldiers come to take Jesus, and Peter pulls out his sword for a righteous reason. The Son of God, he's stewarding. So he thinks. How dare you guys come and take this guy away? He's been healing your people. So he pulls out a sword and cuts off the dude's ear. And Jesus looks at him. In the middle of getting arrested for his death, 
he has a teaching moment with Peter. And he picks, it's trippy to me. God's amazing, he really is. He has a teaching moment, and, and Peter was full of rage, for sure. Peter had rage issues. Read the book. He had issues. We got issues. That means if Jesus is going to use Peter, he's going to use me and you. We, there is hope for us. Okay? He didn't go down to the local temple and pick all the good people. He picked the messed up people, so we're going to make it. Okay? But he picks down the ground, and he picks up this ear that's like dripping and bits of hair on it. He's like, I'm going to be a plastic surgeon right now, Peter. And he sticks his ear back on his head. Why that soldier carried on taking Jesus to the temple is beyond me. Side thought. But he looks at Peter in the eye and he said, Peter, he said, if you live by the sword, you will die by the sword. Because you perpetuate the thing that you're now rising up. See, Abel's blood was screaming for vengeance. He was innocent. But vengeance and justice were coming out of the ground. See, we got to break this thing. That's why it says, but the blood of Jesus now speaks better things than the blood of Abel. And I know it puts some of us on a chopping block where we die to our desires, our, the, the, the screaming voices that just want to get it right. But we've got to get out of the way and let the king of vindication come. Amen? Amen. We're going we're gonna to close the, uh, online, the online service. Now I'm just going to pray. We're going to close. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you that you were speaking to us clearly. I thank you, God, that we are having difficult heart adjustments right now and that you are going to help us because we know that we can't do the stuff we're hearing in our own strength. We can only do it through your love and your relationship in our lives. So we ask, God, that you would help us in these areas. You would help us grow. You would help us walk through seasons where we could get bitter, where we've been bitter, where we've trained ourselves to be bitter and hateful, and you are going to disarm us with your love. Help us to forgive. Help us to know what it looks like to be angry and not sin. Help us not to perpetuate wrongs done towards us. In Jesus' name, we love you, God. Amen. Amen.